0: And uh, we've begun studying this book of the Bible. And uh, I love preaching through books of the Bible. And this goes with our kind of our Thursday messages, looking at doctrines. And so i um, very thankful the Lord led us here. Uh, we talked last week. Uh, we started our study on 1 Timothy. And uh, in a big outline, we did Roman number one, how to build an effective church, which is chapters one, two, and three. Paul's going to help Timothy with getting some instructions on this. And in chapter number one, which we obviously are at, we have the church and its doctrine. The church and its doctrine. (coughs) Excuse me. And um, so we looked at the introduction last week, uh, number one, so a big outline. We had a Roman number one, A, and then one. The letter of Paul considered. The letter of Paul considered. In verses one through two, we saw Paul's signature. We saw Paul and his savior, and then Paul and his son, Timothy, and we talked about who Timothy was and how they came in contact with one another and what God did there. That brings us to number two, and then we'll read our text. We number one, the letter of Paul considered. Number two, the loss of truth considered. Let's read, starting in verse number three of 1 Timothy chapter one. It says, I, And I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this that the law is not made for a righteous man but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for the sinners and for sinners, for unholy and profane for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Let's pray. Father, Lord, please take the message and use it for your glory. I pray to help us as we study this book in your word. Lord, as David said, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, help us to see some things tonight to help us in our Christian life, and our spiritual growth. And Lord, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's look at this. Number two in our outline, the loss of truth considered. Paul is going to address that there are some doctrinal errors in the city of Ephesus. Um, we know that this has been coming. And Paul had warned about it. Paul met with the pastors of Ephesus. uh, There outside of Miletus. uh, In Acts chapter 20, I believe. Uh, But he told them, he said that to feed the flock of God. But to be careful. Because there were wolves that was coming. People that were going to come and look like they're all in. But in reality, they wanted to destroy the church and doctrine. And uh, we know that Ephesus was an important city to Paul. He wrote... (coughs) <coughs> the book of Ephesians to uh, address the issues there at Ephesus. Um, we read about it often in the book of Acts. Uh, we read in Acts, uh, if you want to glance at it, I'll put a marker here. Let's, let's look at it real quick. Acts chapter number 18. Look at this real quick, just to get a groundwork what we're talking about. But in Acts chapter 18, say, why is Ephesus important? That's what Timothy was when he wrote this book. And, uh, but in Acts chapter number 18, and uh, look at verse number 19. Uh, Paul, on his missionary journey, says this, And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Left who there? All right, you see in verse number 18, he left Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, so he left these two, and we know them to be sound in the faith, and he left Aquila and Priscilla there. On another missionary trip, three months later, Uh, He goes and he preaches in the synagogues in Acts chapter 19. And in verse number 20, uh, what God was doing in Ephesus, it says, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So Ephesus was seeing a great revival. uh, And uh, the Lord built a great church in Ephesus. And if you know the rest of Acts chapter number 19, uh, the silversmiths who built false idols to the god Diana, Got really mad at Paul because all these people were getting saved, and no one was going to the false temples, so they weren 't buying their false idols, and they were losing money and so they caused this big old riot, and uh, they wanted to kick Paul out of uh, Ephesus, and uh, they uh, again uh, did pretty much just he had to leave uh, and uh, but the church was there, and the church continued to grow before we go back in Acts chapter 20 and in verse number 16 what I referred to a minute ago Acts 20 verse number 16 uh, it says we'll go 15 and we sailed thence and came the next day over against uh, Chios and the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at Trigalilium that was said perfectly Uh, and the next day I told Pastor Ferguson he was reading a scripture when he was preaching while I was at family camp and he kept skipping the words he said I'm not good at grammar I'm not going to say I'm and I told him, I was like, you just get up and say it. People think you're right. It's awesome. So, Trogolium, it's perfect. Uh, but the next, they came to Miletus. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day at Pentecost. He wanted to go to Ephesus, but he had to get to Jerusalem. So, verse 17, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus... And called the elders of the church. So he had the elders of the church come see him at uh, at Miletus. And when they came, he encouraged, that's when he told them, to feed the flock of God. That the Lord had made them overseers. To be good pastors. To be careful. Because there were wolves that were coming in. I read all those just to say this. Ephesus and the church there was important to Paul. Paul loved the church at Ephesus. He had a lot invested in the church at Ephesus. And um, during his first imprisonment, uh, he had Ephesus in mind. And uh, he sent Timothy, as we read back in our text. He left Timothy there at Ephesus in verse number 3 to stay there because the church was struggling. There were people that were bringing in false doctrine. False doctrine has been something that has been taught since the church began the devils wanted to get false doctrine in he first tried to do it through Judaism in a strict adherence of the law in order to obtain salvation Galatians talks a lot about that Ephesians addresses it then the Gnostics came in those who believe that there is a God but he just kind of backs off and let us figure it all out by ourselves the Agnostics came in the Atheists and all kinds of false doctrines are Society today is inundated with false doctrine. Um, there are so many churches and I, and I just use that with those quotes because listen, the Lord said there is my church and I'm not here to decide who is and who isn't but his doctrine, there is no other doctrine than the Lord's doctrine. <laughs> so those who stand on a street corner and tell you that there is no help or that the ultimate purpose is to populate a planet. Or that Jesus isn't God. Those are false doctrines. Amen. And uh, and the devil wants to get into every church and bring false doctrine. The devil wants to get into Gazato Baptist Temple and bring false doctrine. The devil would love, the enemy would love to get in and have some false teaching. And we have to be careful in this world that we live in today. You have to be properly more careful than a lot of cultures have ever had to be because you say well sin's always been around it has false doctrine's always been around it has but we have to be so much careful because there's this thing called the internet social media books periodicals there is so much stuff that's just thrown out there and people love what I'm about to preach on, real quick. People love to talk about these things, what you're going to read vain jangling, things that just minister questions. In other words, they love to talk about things that just get you to think, ooh, I wonder what it is. And we'll get to it in a second, but be careful about that stuff because it will lead you down the wrong path. It's the door to false doctrine. And Paul addresses it here, and and we'll look at it. But let's look at this real quick, the loss of truth considered. The first thing we see is Timothy's residence in verse number 3. Simply stated, he's at Ephesus. That's where he was left. That's where he's ministering. Then you see Timothy's responsibility, the rest of verse number 3. He said, i besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine his responsibility included first of all that he would require sound doctrine paul said that he was charged that thou mightest charge that word charge is a military term uh, it, uh, uh, it uh, it's basically someone giving a command from a higher authority and that word charge he said i've left you there and i to charge them that they teach no other doctrine. Timothy was to give strict orders that there was to be, uh, and again, coming from a higher authority, which would be Paul and then, of course, God. That word charge, Paul would use often, eight times in 1 and 2 Timothy. And we understand that truth was important. Truth is very important now. I want to encourage the church be careful. You say, well, you know, they, they're, 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 they're Christians. It's okay. If they don't hold the sound doctrine, be careful about what you're fellowshipping with. It matters what you believe. It matters where you go to church. And praise the Lord, there are all kinds of great churches. And we're very blessed, quite honestly, in the Cincinnati area. There's a lot of good churches in our area, and I am thankful for that, all right? You know, you go some places. I uh, was out uh, one time in uh, North Dakota. I was preaching Grand Forks, North Dakota, and, uh, and, and we and the pastor were talking. He talk, That's a different world up there. It's cold. Uh, they literally, to, to prove a point, went outside with a bucket of water and threw it, and it evaporated before it hit the ground. It was so cold. Why anyone wants to live there? I have no idea, all right? But uh, I was talking to the pastor, and he joked, he, he said, the land is so flat. I literally, when we landed in the airplane, I thought they had just burnt all the ground because it was so black, but that was the soil. But everything grows underground because it's so cold. So you have yams and potatoes. Uh, but uh, that's all they grow. Uh, but when we landed, I said, uh, I said so, you know, we're talking about the church, and he said, well, one good thing about where we're at, you can't get mad and leave. There are no other churches within a hundred miles of them. That's a, that amazed me, and he he wasn't a preacher saying you know none just like us. Literally, there were there was Lutherans right, but there were no other like minded churches at all within a hundred miles. Isn't that crazy? We look here, you know. I I walked in the skyline. We celebrated Greece's birthday after church. Right, her birthday's Wednesday. Happy birthday! Uh, but uh, we went up the skyline. And we ate. Brother Daniel Ivy sitting in there. You know, I walked in, punched him, and uh, it was awesome, in a good way. We're good. We're friends. All right, you know, and uh, and uh, so you know, and he, he laughed, and, and uh, we talked, and we fellowshiped, and there are good churches. Praise the Lord. Amen. But never forget, it matters what you believe, right. and doctrine is important. That's why we as a church, we can't just buddy up and, you know, fellowship with people that would teach false doctrine. They believe in any other plan to heaven apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. I can't fellowship with that. What book we use? It's doctrine. The blood of Christ is doctrine. We have to be very careful. I had a preacher ask me, a missionary, and he said, uh, he goes, what are, he, um, threw this question when we were traveling last week. And he threw this question at me, and he said, well, let me ask you something. He said, what do you consider to be the important doctrines and then less important doctrines? And I responded to him, and I said, doctrine means the teaching of truth. Which means, if it's in the book, it's doctrine. There are no important doctrines or non-important doctrines. Uh, there are no... And because you have to understand... You know, and praise the Lord, you know, if we haven't experienced a lot of stuff that's out there. But there is so much preaching on on the essentials and non-essentials. If it's in the book, it's essential. All right? And so, anyways, they, they, you know, the doctrine is so important. And he left him, and he charged him. And this is not nothing to take lightly. Uh, Look there uh, in chapter 1 and verse number 11. Chapter 1, verse number 11 says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed uh, God, which was committed, Paul said what? To my trust. Paul had been given what in the context that we he's talking about here to Timothy is doctrine. This was given to my trust. Paul had been committed this. And he, in chapter number 6, turn it over there real quick. Chapter 6 and in verse number 20 says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to what? thy trust Paul said I have been entrusted with this and I have committed this to your trust and what was Timothy to do with it? In Second Timothy, in chapter 1 and in verse number 14, says this, That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in... Uh, that's chapter 1. Uh, yeah, verse number 14. That, that, to keep that, th- that which is dwelleth in us. He was to keep it. He was to protect it. And then in chapter number 2, and in verse number 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to what? faithful men who will be able to what? Teach others also. And I read all those that simply say this. Paul understood that this doctrine was committed to my trust. And he said, I charge you, Timothy, to keep this. I have been committed this and I am committing this to you. And Timothy, you are committed to teaching this to others also who will be faithful and will teach it to other faithful men which is why we're sitting here because people took seriously that doctrine's important because at the Baptist Temple we dare not lose track of the importance of being entrusted with doctrine Now, we're not the only church. But if God's churches start making light of doctrine, and they are. That's why you see, it's very common today, they want to take Baptists off the door. You may say, well, they still believe the same thing. Then why'd you take it off? Well, there are some Baptists that are not right. Well... There's lots of men that aren't right, but I'm still a man. There's lots of Ohioans that aren't right, but I'm still an Ohioan. He said That's silly. Well, seriously, people get so upset at these things, you know. There was one person treating me wrong at church. I'm never going back. Have you ever been to McDonald's? And you keep going back. The order's never right. They're always rude, right? But you keep going back. Because you want it. Yeah. Yes, Don't blame someone else if you just fell out of church because you quit wanting it. Sure. Yeah. Praise the Lord, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, you caught that. Yeah, yeah, right? But the fact is this, right? You know, doctrine's been committed to us and we are to protect it. And there are some in the church at Ephesus that were already gone astray. looking. First Timothy, again, chapter number 1, verse number 20. Look at these real quick. Verse 19, holding holding faith in a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander. Hymenaeus and Alexander, I don't know a lot about them, but I know this. Their life went shipwrecked. They went astray. He talks another in Second Timothy, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15 This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me of whom are Phygellus and Hermogenes they turned away from good doctrine in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse number 17 the bible says this it says in their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus there's 5 people That gave in to false teaching. Five people that quit. Church, I just want to encourage you real quick. Don't quit. Don't quit. I know the world, I know people, I know things, but don't quit. The reason why many times we'll quit is because we start listening to the wrong voices. Paul's addressing this, and you see his responsibilities to require sound doctrine. And number two, to resist silly distractions. Back in our text in verse number four of chapter number one, to resist silly distractions. Verse number four, neither give heed. Now, again, he told them, he said, make sure no one teaches false doctrine. And now he's going to go to how false doctrine is introduced. And this is so important living in 2023. I hope you'll follow this. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. He said, be careful, because these wolves will come in, and it starts with talking about things, talking about stories, what ifs, uh, what could be, just things that minister questions church beware of teaching that ministers questions say like what obviously I don't want to like go through an exhaustive list because I'll administer questions right but there are some things that you know where did simple things where did Cain get his wife I had to be a sister sorry that's the way it was then right? or did Adam have a belly button That's a good one. That's a good one, right? Now those are silly. They start bringing in things like in Genesis about these giants and the sons of God or polygamy, or they start debating doctrine by trying to cast doubt on truth. In other words, no one's going to walk into Gazado Baptist Temple and walk in and get in front of people and say, let's all drink alcohol. That's not going to happen. Amen? Amen. I mean, literally, I believe men would escort that person out. Right? Amen. You say, that's wrong. Because it is. But what will happen is you entertain questions. Well, maybe sometimes it's permissible. Let's talk about this. You start debating things. Be careful. Be careful. Because all they're doing, they're not giving any answers. It's edifying for you, for me to get up and say, the Bible says is a curse upon those who give strong drink to their neighbor's lips. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says not even to look at the cup when it's stirred, right? That's alcohol. Turn your eyes from it, all right? Uh, the Bible, Bible teaches that, it, that it's not for kings. It's not for priests. And by the way, Revelation says you and I have been made kings and priests, all right? It's not for us remember about baptist temple stay away from it it is destructive it is raging it will destroy your life and people sometimes want to argue and say oh it's not that bad and then i just want to say look in the mirror but that would be mean but i'll say it to you because you're not drinking right it destroys the family gets messed up. The relationship husband and wife gets messed up. It, 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 it sucks the money out of your life because you're spending so much of it. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on. It's destructive. It brings anger. It brings all these things. It destroys. No one's going to walk in and be like, hey, I think we should all start drinking. We'd all be like, get this guy out of here. But they'll start in a conversation on the back row saying, well, sometimes it might be okay. Well, I mean, and they'll start using a verse out of context. Jesus turned water into wine. It wasn't alcohol. That's right. Amen. It was the fruit of the vine. Say, right. so how do you know it wasn't alcohol? If it was, pack it up, go home, because Jesus would have just contradicted himself. And if he did that once, he could do it again. But he won't because he's God and he's Amen. perfect, all right? That's not what it is. But my point is this. Be careful because Paul told Timothy, I charge you, don't let them teach other doctrines, but be careful. It starts with this talking that ministers questions. And if you'll stop and you'll just keep that in the back of your mind, you'll see it. Because that is, everybody ready? Be careful here. That's what podcasts are built on. I'm not saying they're all evil, but they love topics like that. They love topics. Yeah, you're all quiet on me now. Yeah, I hit a nerve. Yes, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's what podcasts are built on because it intrigues people and they want to hear it and it builds their audience and that's really all they're about and they're building this audience. So they love talking about that. How much time have I spent, you know, preaching on those giants in Genesis, right? None because the Bible tells us all we need to know. I don't know anything else and God said we don't need to know anything else. All it would do is minister questions. They start bringing in these topics. Be careful. Because I can start giving you a list of people that were faithful in a good church that started listening to podcasts, and they're not all wrong. There's some good ones out there. I can give you a list of some good ones. But if their topics are only about ministering questions, beware, because it is a door to false doctrine. Now, I'm your pastor. I'm just trying to protect you, all right? that's what it was then and that's what it is so be careful about these things that minister they're built around questioning doctrine better be careful you say well it's just a semantical argument no it can be a false doctrine doorway and you better be careful if the teaching makes you question what you've always believed to be the truth you better be careful now again i'm not telling the blind blindly follow man I'm talking about things that are taught in the Word of God, and it's been the pillar and ground of truth is not the Internet. It's the church. This is where we are to find truth. So resist these silly distractions. So we saw the uh, letter of Paul considered, the loss of truth considered, and I'll wrap this up, the law of God considered. The law of God considered. In verses 5 through 11 in our text, you see the final target that Paul tells you. Now, again, Paul tells Timothy, be careful. Don't let this get into the church. I charge you, don't let it happen. It will come through these questioning, these things that minister questions. Be very careful. Here's why we're doing this, Timothy, verse number five. Now, the end of the commandment, this is what it's all about, is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. He he says, this commandment, what commandment? Verse number three, that they charge that no other doctrine is taught. He said, I'm telling you this. Now listen, and I'm preaching this not to control everybody's thinking. I'm not doing this to be a Lord over God's heritage. I believe that's evil when that happens. I'm preaching this for this purpose because I love you. And I don't want you to get sucked into false teaching. And the reason we teach these things, verse number five, Paul said, is because of love. We keep doctrine because of love. And there should be a longing. It says, "Is charity out of a pure heart. Uh, the word there is, uh, uh, another word to use is virtue. You know, we read about the virtuous woman or virtue in the Bible. Virtue uh, is, that, is that desire in us to want to do right because we love him. The virtuous woman is called virtuous because she does all those things, not because she has to. She wants to do those things because she loves her husband and her family. You know, we have virtue in our life because not because we, you know, uh, we do all that we do because we have to. We should do what we do because we love the Lord and we want to do those things. And when we teach proper doctrine, it should create a love in us, not anger. I believe we are holding the right doctrine at our church. If I didn't, I would teach something else, right? But I'm not mad about good doctrine. I'm not angry at other people because we have doctrine. But I am going to hold the doctrine, and we ought to, it ought to create love in our heart and a longing out of a pure heart, and it should create liberty in our life and of a good conscience. It means there's peace there. I know that we know we're doing right in a faith unfeigned. That means it's real. It's legitimate. The fact is this, that's the, that's the final target. Paul said, this is why we're doing this, Timothy, so that we can be a loving church and we'll long to do right, we'll have liberty, and it will be legitimate, it'll be a real faith. That's what Paul said. That's why we're doing this. So you see, final target, and then you see these false teachers in verse six and seven. They, you, you see, first of all, there is a purposed change from which some having swerved a purpose change it's possible and I'm taking this warning and I hope you'll take this warning it is possible to have right doctrine but to leave it to change and you'll see here it is a purpose change that word swerved you say what does that mean in a a Greek and Hebrew right just what it means in the English you ever been driving down the road and you swerved? You know, there's a big old raccoon on the way this morning. The church didn't make it through the night. It was on the road. And uh, I was driving and we swerved because I didn't want to hit it. Some people, you can be cruising along with the right doctor and just think, eh. It doesn't take much. And we can get off. It is a purposed change. It is a purposeless change conversation uh that's where it says there which some having swerved having turned aside to vain jangling vain jangling means talking about things that have no purpose silly illustration adam's belly button now if you don't understand that question he was created he wasn't born so did he have a belly button please don't who cares all right yeah all right that is the epitome of vain jangling useless conversations what does that affect I knew one pastor, and I hate to keep going back to that, but that Genesis thing about the giants and the sons of God and what they were, and he, he, was, he was candidating to be a pastor, a friend of mine, and when he was candidating, the church said, we want to know what you believe about this, and he answered, he said, why? Well, we're just trying. We, we talk about it a lot, and that man said, that's useless. How does that affect salvation? How does that affect our Christian walk? How does that affect anything? He said, we know all that God wanted us to know. Case closed. And they didn't like him, and they didn't vote him in. And he said, good. Because the fact is this, useless conversation will lead us nowhere. Is a purpose change, a purposeless conversation, and then a purposeful cause. In verse number seven, desiring to be teachers of the law. I want you to see this. Those that teach this is all because of this. Position, they wanted to be teachers of the law. It's about position and power, understanding neither what they say nor of where they affirm. They just like to talk. They don't even really know what they're talking about, but they like to be heard. And about pride, whereof they affirm. They think they're right. They can't prove it, but they love to talk about it. And more specifically, and I'm trying to close this. These false teachers were focusing on the law. We are not under the law. We're under grace. Be thankful for that. I read a verse Thursday that if a teenager rebelled against their parents and didn't listen to them or their chastening, they're to be drug out and stoned to death. Aren't you glad teenagers were not under the law? Because none of you would be here. Yeah, right? Neither would I. We're not under the law. The Lord fulfilled that. Yet those are powerful things and principles. But a lot of people, especially people that like to take power in church, they do that. Preachers, pastors, fathers and families, leaders of cults. They like to twist the scriptures to control people. There's some popular documentaries out right now about leaders that in the Christian realm that took good principles but turned it into laws to control people. That's what Paul's talking about. I believe in dress and right and I believe the Bible teaches what it does. But I'm not going to use that to control people. And by that, meaning this. I know a pastor, unfortunately. Aren't you glad you don't get around where I do? I know all kinds of people, right? But I know a pastor that if anybody walks into this church, that they're not dressed how he believes they should be dressed, they have extra clothes and they put them on them and they won't let them in the church. That's controlling people. Holy Spirit will do a fine job of showing people truth. Our job's to teach. But they'll twist things to control people. And that's what these people were doing. They were using the law to control them. So you see these false teachers. Then we see this these foolish transgressors. It's just simple to look at in verse 8, 9, and 10. In verse number 8, you see people who... Or revolt. Well, look at verse number 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. That's the goodness of God's law. There is a proper way to use God's law. And what is it? Everybody catch this real quick. Why do we have the law? All right, Because it exposes, it restrains, and it convicts the sinner. It reveals the need of a Savior. But the law cannot save anyone. The law only shows us of our destitute state the law only shows us how we are a sinner how we are not holy the law shows us what holiness is but it cannot make us holy you can follow the law remember that one guy that came to jesus and said you know what do i need to do to inherit eternal life and he says not commit adultery not to murder etc etc and he says all these things have i done from my youth up and the lord didn't say oh you haven't I think this guy was a pretty good guy. But he wasn't holy. And the Lord had to expose his sin of covetousness. And that's what the law is for. Paul said, I wouldn't have known covetousness if it wasn't for the law. And the law shows us those things. That's the goodness of God's law. But then I want you to see the gaze of God's law in verses 9 and 10. How the law exposes. It casts a light upon us so we see that we're sinners. It admits in some general sins in verse number 9. Which, again... I'm not going to read it again. Just glance at it. It shows those who are defiant, those who are disobedient, and those who are dishonoring. When we look at any authorities in our life, from our parents to church to God, and our life is one of defiance and disobedience and dishonor, the law is crying out, You are a sinner. The law was not made for righteous man. It was made for the lawless. There's general sin. There is glaring sin. At the end of verse number nine to verse number ten, again, you can just glance at those verses. But it talks about murderers. It talks about, and I do want to point this out. In verse number, of verse number nine, it says murderers, fathers and mothers and manslayers. And we all know that murder is a sin. Then it goes in verse number 10, not just murderers, but I just, for alliteration purposes, put mature. There are certain things out there that they classify as for mature audiences. I'll give you another definition. It's wicked sin. Amen. Be careful what you're putting in front of your eyes. Well, I'm an adult. That doesn't mean you should watch it. It says they're for whoremongers. For them to defile themselves with mankind. This mature, if you will. That word whoremongers, I'll tell you what that word is in the Greek. It's the word pornos. I hate this statistic. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it according to Pew Research 80% of men sitting in churches look at porn frequently I hate that and I don't know their definition of church but no child of God should have any part of that it's wickedness and it will destroy your life mongers. it talks about those who would look at the, again pornography or the act of pornography and then that defile themselves with mankind I know what month it is I love everybody but sin is sin I hope and no one got mad at me when I said that no child of God should be looking at pornography because that is a wicked sin you sinning against your own flesh Not many people usually get mad at that. Nor should you get mad at me saying this. Sodomy is a sin. I love someone who's involved in that sin. I'll try to reach them with the gospel. I'll be kind to them. The world is no longer about trying to co-inhabit. It's being shoved down our faces. And all I will say is, parents, you better guard what your kids are looking at. And you better be careful about the environment that they're in. Because all they're doing is indoctrinating with a wicked sin. Murderers mature and then men stealers. It says there in verse number 10, men stealers. So what is that? It's kidnapping. And back then, that word referred to people who would steal men for the purpose there's only two purposes they would steal and I say men I mean mankind why they would steal people and the two purposes are for slavery or for immoral sins just want to throw this out there because it's a fact every time that pornography is looked at by anyone someone's making money And the people that are making money are using it for, to produce more wickedness and they have to kidnap people and that's why all the trafficking is going on. I'm just going to lay it out there. Anytime that you would look at it, you are financially supporting the kidnapping and trafficking of other people. Let it sink in. life would change if that was your child so why would you entertain it in kidnapping in slavery a lot of times when you read about masters in the bible it's just talking about their bosses and they had a different political system back then and that is not referring about to what we determined slavery in our early American history and in other countries <laughs> God, the ownership of another person shouldn't be. Never should have been, never should be. Now, they had a political system that people worked off debts and things like that, all right? We don't live in that world. But Paul said it's sin. And then liars, manipulators, people who lie just to get gain. And any misconduct in verse number 10, anything that's contrary to sound doctrine. Paul said, preach against it because this stuff was being accepted in the church at Ephesus. Some of these things were creeping in. And Paul said, keep I charge you. We see lastly, and we'll pray, full trust. Verse number 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. The fact is this, the law and the gospel, they go together. The law exposes the sin and the condemnation. But the gospel presents a hope and a salvation the law shows me that I'm a sinner and I deserve death but the gospel shows me that God loves me so much he sent his son to die for me and he paid for my sins and if I would put my trust in him I can have eternal life and Paul closes in that verse with the glorious gospel it is glorious amen it is God's gospel in verse number 11 it's the gospel of God. There's no other gospel but His gospel. And praise the Lord, it is a given gospel. It's been shared for the whole world to know. And that, look at me, has been committed to our trust. It may sound simple, but if we start accepting all sin and sin is nothing, then why are we preaching a gospel? What do people need saved from? But we are to preach what thus saith the Lord and the glorious gospel can save us all.